Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Town Social. We've got a lot to get through tonight. Uh, with me tonight, as always, Ian Kilroy and Gasquet. We're going to be talking about the three games that we've that we've got. Southampton, <clears throat> Sunderland and Swansea getting a last gasp goal against Southampton at home against a very difficult Southampton side. Smash and grab up at Sunderland. Terrific three points. Then only to surrender a win with a heartbreaking last-minute goal down at Swansea. All in all, not too bad point, although against three difficult sides. Unfortunately, the form of the other teams below us has picked up as well. But are some of the fans coming round to Darren Moore? I don't know. We'll discuss that as well. We'll also be talking a bit about the latest documentaries about the town. So, without further ado, let's get into it, guys. The Southampton game... You know, we're not going to spend loads of time on it, but it was always going to be a really difficult game. I envisaged a 3-0 defeat, basically just looking at how the quality of players at Southampton have got, how they shape up. They're obviously a possession-based team, like to keep hold of the ball. We like to surrender the ball with minimal possession. You just you looked at it and you just thought, there's such a mismatch in terms of quality here. But as the game went on, we, we kind of set up as you'd understand, to defend low block, make it really tight. And really, they had a, they had one opportunity with it, the post. But really, we, we weren't doing too bad. Then they scored a good goal. I think the defender, I'm not sure if it was Hellick um, or Pearson, it just reacts to it slightly too slow and gives Armstrong just a little bit of room for that finish. But actually, it was a good quality goal all round. Come out second half after some boos at half-time which I thought were a little bit harsh, but then given how they've played before that, I can kind of see it. But then second half, it kind of forced us to come out a little bit more. We are a little bit more adventurous. We are starting to get forward a bit, particularly down the right-hand side through Jackson, getting a few balls into the box. And, and then Sauber misses a really good chance with a header and you think, oh, it's probably not going to be our day. But then Ben Jackson whips a very, very good in swinging cross in. And it's kind of one of those where, you know, as a defender, do you go for it? Do you head it out? Can they get to it? And and he, he, either the defender's going to kind of head it into the net or even if they miss, it's going to sneak in the far corner. It's just such a great cross. Deserved for me after a much improved performance defensively, much more solid and kind of gave me a little bit of hope because I could kind of see a game plan there. You know, I'd really struggled in some of the games before to kind of see what our game plan was, what our style was the identity that we was going to go with. And I think it's just the way we have to play. I don't think it's the way Darren Moore wants to play, but I think it's the right way to play at this moment in time. And I was really pleased to see us get that late goal because I think they deserved it overall. Not in terms of possession or in terms of quality necessarily, but the way we dug in, stuck to the task. And I was really pleased for Jackson as well, who I think had a, had a, a brilliant game. And I think Kasumu made a, a big difference in the middle of the pack too. So yeah, overall, I, I was I was really pleased, and it's given us a bit of a platform going into the other games. What what did you think, guys? I agree with you, Nick. I thought I was encouraged by the the game. The first forty five minutes were were tough watching. <clears throat> I think the lineup was was Darren Moore's had his hand forced with the lineup that's played in the last three games. Once Kasumu's fit, and he's got so you know, and there's no Wiles, there's no. Redona, you're always going to go Hogg and Kasumu in there. So it sort of picked itself. Same with the back three. Um, I mean, let's be honest, 20 minutes into the game when Keane Harrod limped off, 
and he brought Nakayama on for Harrah and pushed Karoma through the middle. The, the fans weren't exactly all over that decision where there was quite a bit of booing. I sit in the upper tier and there was quite a bit of booing from down below. There's a couple of you don't know what you're doing. Um, you know, Bergzog was on the bench, but clearly he wasn't fit enough to play 70 minutes or whatever that was that he would have had to play at that point. Um, and I thought first half, I thought Southampton were fantastic. I thought they did a lot of play on the left-hand side, Sullivan, which who was up against Jackson, who caused him all sorts of problems. He was backed up by Manning. Sober Thomas wasn't helping him too much, which meant he was in for, he had a bit of a torrid first half. But actually, I thought Jackson grew into the game and then he made a mistake. You know, he got he got he got pulled out of position with one with a neat little triangle from Southampton, which left room for the bloke to stick the ball in. And Adam Armstrong, who did absolutely nothing all day, you know, did what he does, which is he put it in the net, didn't he? So I felt a bit sorry for him really at half time at one nil. He felt a bit a bit like they probably worked hard enough to, to get in at, at levels, but they didn't. But saying now, if we played 10 or 15 yards further forward, and I thought we looked much better for that. Didn't increase our possession stats any particularly, but I just thought we made Southampton a bit more uncomfortable. We actually got amongst them a little bit. And, and Jack, listen, Jackson's goal was a cross, we all know it was. But I thought their second half effort was, was duly rewarded. Um, you know, 22% possession against one of the top teams, to take a point after the recent form, I was I was very pleased with it, mate. Very pleased. I think it's important, isn't it? When you're looking at the Southampton game, you've got to kind of understand what what how how we kind of got there and what the fixtures were to us kind of ending in the position where Darren Moore thought he had next to no option but to go with that in that we lost to Cardiff 4-0 not long before on a Tuesday night, and then we headed to Leeds and got battered 4-1 with a Tom Edwards horror show. And then we, we've had Watford at home where we've gone proper solid at the back again because we're shitting ourselves thinking we can't open up because against like against Leeds we got cut open and we suffered and then Hull City we, we went again with a 5-4-1 formation and we considered pretty late on there just to, to, to come home with nothing but then we went to Southampton and the, the, I, it's okay now sitting here after the Swansea game and Sunderland game saying oh well Southampton were okay but that first 45 minutes to me were pretty horrific I actually think it's probably going to be the best 45 minutes for our season going forward and I think we learned a lot about us and how we need to play to be able to take points. But that first 45 minutes, again, we're so deep. We, we, we sat 5-4-1 five, five, with such a low block, no press, no no cutting off the pass lanes. We were just sitting so deep, inviting them on. And now it's okay saying Southampton are a Premier League team last year. Yes, they were, but they were one of the worst teams that've been in the Premier League for a long time. They were awful. Look at the squad they've got now. Not many of them are bona fide Premier League players either. Going into that game, they'd conceded only two fewer goals than we had. They weren't a team we had to be fearful of us not being able to attack or have a go at because they do concede goals but that first 45 minutes we offered fuck all nothing but when you concede late on in that first 45 minutes you have to have a go in the second half and we did and it was good to see and I think it gave us a bit of belief that we can open teams up if we do have a go and now it definitely has to be structured because we have defensive frailties when Pearson leads in Helic plays I think that's as good as a three centre-back triple or say pairing but triplet whatever it is in this division, as you're going to get, they are solid and they're going to be very hard to break down, especially when you couple them with fast wing-backs, something that we had in the games afterwards, which I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about. But that first 45 minutes about against Southampton, I think we carry on playing that way for the season. It does us no good and we get relegated embarrassingly. We have to offer something further forward else we're not going to score goals. But conceding late on in that first half, again, might actually have saved our season because we had to come out and have a go. And have a go we did. And the fans kind of got into it a little bit more. Everyone in that second half, for the first time in, in quite a long while since the QPR game, kind of 
they had a bit of belief that we could do something because we were creating some sort of chances. Yeah, the goal wasn't amazing. It kind of just flew in. But again, football games built on pressure out there. You don't actually have to create chances to be on top. You can kind of just tell with the way of the play of the ball. And and that second half against Southampton was good. It was it was good. It wasn't great, but it was good. And compared to the shit we'd seen for weeks and weeks before that, it, it just felt like it was something we could build on. And, and again, getting a late equaliser was just a godsend for us and something I don't think anybody expected going into that league, into that game. But we just showed Southampton far too much respect in that first half. And I can't forget that. But to be fair to Darren Moore, that he changed it at half time and that second half we came out a new team. And then the foundations that were built in that game and the belief that we got from getting a point against a good Southampton team has served as well since then as it's proven. Yeah, I can. It's hard, isn't it? Because I can understand looking at the results before and how how much they've been absolutely torn apart by being too open. I can understand why they've gone really defensive. But I, I yeah, I agree. And you know, like, we need to offer something, don't we? You know, under Warnock, we, we sat back and defended. But when we had chances to break on the counter attack, we did it, which is which is what we did at, at Sunderland. And, you know, I think that's the only way we can really play. But certainly between now and January, I mean, I don't know if we'll get many players in January, but I hope so. But at the moment, with what we've got, I don't think we can. We're never going to be in control of the ball. We're never going to have 50, 60% possession. So I think the only way we can really get results is to dig in deep when we have to. But when spaces do open up, which they will at times, use a bit of pace wide, get the ball out and try and get balls into the box, try and get runners into the box on the counter-attack and try and and nick a goal. What do we think about the fans' reaction? Because... You know, I could, I, I think it was harsh with the substitution because I don't really know what Moy could have done, to be honest, with the, with the options he had available. Do you think some fans have made their mind up already about more and, you know, we've seen the results and actually we're never going to do out under this guy and, you know, it, it's just not good enough and you, you're not going to change some fans' mind? Or do you, do you think, actually, no, we need to be more patient? Because I don't know, I, it didn't sit well with me, the reaction there, because... Yes, if it, if we had loads of quality attacking players on and he brings a defender on to go ultra-defensive, then yeah, I could understand it. But we just didn't have the options. And it was the same at half-time, you know. we I, I know what you're saying by the fact that we were so defensive, but I, I, I agree with Gaz. And I, I, I thought we were a little bit unlucky to go in 1-0 down. I'd, it's certainly not the worst we've played, but to be booed off, I mean, it's not. it doesn't really do any good, does it, really, to the player side? I don't know. Do you, do you think it was justified the reaction on the day, or not? I think there's some fans. I think we talked about this last time, didn't we? I think there's some fans that already have Darren Moore's lost them and he's not going to get them back. And and I think that that had gone from being a bit of a minority to possibly being maybe even a small majority at, at, in that first half during Saints. I think you know the the, the point probably papered over the cracks a little bit and certainly the last two games when you look at social media feedback anyway they certainly seem to be coming back in favour of the fact that the blokes recognise where we are and he's he's trying to do something about it Um, I mean yeah I don't really I'm with you I don't really know what else he can do I moaned after the Leeds game that that we we didn't play to our strengths that we didn't recognise our limitations and therefore set ourselves up efficiently to be able to maximise what we have got and, and I think in the last three games in fairness to him I do think that's what he's managed to do he's managed to get the best out of what we've got because we went you know I was at Sunderland as, as was Killer and 
And it was weird because at Sunderland, it felt like we had loads more of the ball on, on breakaways. And actually, we made we made better choices than we probably did in the Southampton game. But when you look at the stats, actually, we had, we only had 1% more possessions at Southampton. Sorry, it's, we only had 1% more possession in Sunderland than we had against Southampton. But during the game, it felt like we actually had more of the ball, weirdly. So, yeah, listen, I think... Some people have made their mind up, Nick. I think they've already decided Darren Moore's not for them. I've seen some bits today on social media talking about his football. And of course, it, it raised great mirth when we, when we drew City away, didn't it? About about, about what that's going to look like on the day. But yeah, I, I, I do feel for And he is being consistent. That's the other thing I will say. The way he's behaving and the way he's reacting now is consistent with how he was when, when we were getting pumped. So, you know, I don't, I'm not sure what else he can do at this point. He's followed Warnock, though, and that's going to be a tough job, an, an impossible job for anybody initially, because nobody wanted him to go. No town fan wanted Neil Warnock to leave today. So you're following somebody we didn't want him to leave, right? But he hadn't helped himself, and you've got to remember, at this point, this is a Southampton game, so forget about something, forget about after it. At that point, you've had the leads, the leads over the Cardiff game at home, which to me, again, was a, it just kind of was unfortunate. It kind of One of those games where we got battered, but I didn't actually think we were that bad. There were some poor decisions, whatever. But before that, you had the Ipswich substitutions at 70 minutes that killed us. We wanted to look cruising. You can say we're forced into making the decisions, but he made three substitutions at the same time. And then we looked shy for the next 25, 30 minutes and we get a point instead of three, which I think would have got if he'd have made his substitutions differently. At Leeds, he put Tom Edwards in against the fastest winger in the division and refused to change it after 10 minutes when everybody could see him getting burnt. Then after the game, didn't clap the fans afterwards. It's a very simple thing you do. If you don't do it, people get on your back. It's not a hard thing to do. So when you get to halftime in Southampton, a home game, and you're comparing it, guys, to an away game against Sunderland, a home game should be different. We shouldn't... To, to see a team at home surrender possession isn't a common thing. And fans don't take nice, don't take kindly to it, regardless of whether you think we should play or shouldn't play that way. And I think we should, because I think it's the only way we can play. But fans are going to like it. And then when you listen to Darren Moore in, converse, in, in conferences, or I'd say when you listen to him in conferences, no one listens to him in conferences because it's so boring and so... Uh, kind of run of the mill and throwing out j- football jargon that's fucking worthless. People don't really want to hear it. He's not an inspirational guy. Maybe he's in the in, in the in the in the changing rooms. A fa- a players that have played with him before or coached him speak of him as being a great leader. But when it comes to, when it comes to addressing the fans through the correct manner, he doesn't seem to be that, or he hasn't got there just yet with town fans. And that that does go a long way with town fans. I don't know if it's the same at different clubs, but with us, we need to have a coach that we kind of get behind or a chairman. You need some sort of leader there that. Fans like like Neil Warnock, like Dean Oyle. We kind of we respond really well to it. But when they don't have that, they've got to show performances on the pitch to get us on side. And up until half time at Southampton, that won't happen in. We're forced in a situation there where Harrod to come off and Bergsog obviously wasn't fit enough for 70 minutes. That's the reality of it. It's not an over complex thing to work out. I'm surprised so many fans got so upset about it. Bergsog was not good enough, was not fit enough for the 70 minutes. So he couldn't come on at that point. It's very clear. And in the end, we got a point, so his decisions were right. But he's got a lot of thing, a lot of work to do to to win the fans back on side. But I do think that, like you say, guys, there's a a little inkling here to to how it can go if it with a few more positive performances because things have turned a little bit. At Sunderland, we were there, and, and and the fans were were far far more grateful to him than they were at Leeds and, and at Southampton. But I, I still can't help but think it's his own making why fans have turned against him so early considering the performances and the decisions he's made, as well as the way he speaks to the fans through um, any official channel. At least what he is doing now, you know, is at least he's picking people in the right positions because he almost went down the old championship, struggling championship manager route of 
square pegs in round holes. He seemed to be suddenly playing people massively out of position. You know, Nakayama in centre midfield at Birmingham is one that jumps to mind, that kind of thing. At least now he's seeing common sense and playing people in the right uh, the right positions. You're right about Delano. You know, he, he did 50 minutes at Sunderland and he was absolutely done. He was fried. So, you know, if he just chucked him on too early at, at home against Southampton, he wouldn't have got that performance out of him at, uh, up at Sunderland, you know. And, and I thought... The other thing, I think now he's, he's finally worked out, and I think we talked about this before, that Headley and Jackson at least give us a little bit of pace down either wing. You know, and, and I thought both both Jackson and Headley were effective. Of course, the second goal came from Headley's Maisie. Uh, Diara-like, I've no idea where I'm going. I'm sure I'm going to get tackled soon. Maisie run through the middle, managed to rebound off his knee perfectly for Delano to slam it in the bottom corner. So, you know, I think he is... It's weird to talk about somebody who is an experienced championship manager learning, but it does feel like he's actually starting to learn. And maybe he's just learning about the players and what the strengths and weaknesses are. In, but you know, I think though, guys, the thing I've got with him, right? I expect him to come in knowing the squad that we had. Like I thought he'd know the players that we had and the players that could play him. To me, when I'm when I'm watching him or when I've seen him get to this point, it's like he's learning what the players can do as he goes. Whereas I thought you'd kind of be prepared for that. It feels like he's learning it on the job and he hasn't bothered to look at the tape, and he must have, but it just looks when you see it. He's doing things that even... And I think that's what fans turned against as well. It's like, you've seen him making stupid decisions, and we all know it's fucking stupid, and Kevin Nagel can say, leave it to the experts, it's fine. But it was it was like that. Like you say, Nakayama at left centre-back was horrendous, and then in centre midfield, horrendous, like awful. And we, we, there were just so many strange things that Darren Moore did initially when he first came in that just didn't lend the, lend himself to the fans. And, and, and it just looked like under-preparation to me. And it, it, that surely cannot be the case. And then if it isn't the case, why is he making those decisions? Either way, it's not very good. And I think that's something I struggled, struggled with seeing it. No, I don't. I don't think it. I don't think he did know much about it. And it, it's kind of like, it's been like a pre-season, hasn't it? Really, tinkering, which makes it all the more baffling. If we was going to get him, why we didn't just get him of the summer when he could have had a pre-season because he was available? So I. I'd... I don't know. That's why I've asked the question because I'm a bit torn myself, and I'm not. Listen, I'm not having a go at any fans. That, you know, could voice your frustrations. All pay our money, and everybody's different. And I'm not saying they're wrong, really. I, I've been left scratching my head, particularly with Birmingham and Leeds, as to what the hell we're doing. And you know, he, he hasn't helped himself with his with his team selection. But on the other hand, he's been here for what a month and month and a half, and look at what he's had to work with. So. You know, there's part of me that thinks, well, he's he's sort of learning. He's he's just come in. He doesn't really know the players that well. The, the what the strengths are, so he's had to kind of adapt quickly. The players have had to get used to him and his new style. He, he doesn't come across very well in in the press conferences. I I don't. I have to admit, I don't listen to him anymore because I just start falling asleep. Um, you don't learn anything, you know. And I, I know you want to keep things, but you you know. You've got to have something. At least with Warnock, there was like some anecdotes. There was something. There was something to kind of keep you interested. Whereas, you know, you don't get any information about anybody that's coming back from injury. You don't. You, you don't get any useful information, and it's boring. <laughs> so, I'd, town fans like a character, don't they? they? They like a character. They like someone that they can, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a joke. Someone who's, you know, maybe a little bit, um, a bit of a nutter that they can get behind and. They can see that passion coming through, and the, the press conferences and more haven't exactly hasn't exactly shown that. But 
you know, I, I, I can see some green shoots of, you know, what he's trying to do. And I think we're kind of out of that, hopefully out of that real tinkering stage. We're starting to see a bit more consistency in the selections. And I, I think the play, you know, what what's most encouraging for me is that the players seem to be playing for him. You know, we, we're not we're not throwing the towel in. They're not giving up. They seem to be buying to what he's trying to do. Let I mean, if we talk about the Sunderland game, the Sunderland game was almost going back to a, a Warnock-esque performance, really, that we still sat back. We were, we were well-organised, but we were clinical at the right time. When the chances came, we, we took them. And that's been the difference, I guess, when the few chances have come in some of the other games, we haven't taken them. But we score a great goal from a set piece. It's just a nod back across to the to the post and then headed in from Hellick. Brilliant. We concede a goal which I think was marginally offside, but I I haven't seen many replays to, to confer either way. But I, I my initial thought was that theirs was offside when it came back across, but we concede late towards the back end of the first half, and you're thinking, oh no, okay, it's going to be one way of traffic. And at the start of the second half, Sunderland port forward, they had a few, they had a lot of the ball, didn't do much with it. You know, we they had a, a bit of joy on the left hand side, cutting in, getting some good balls into the box, but they, they didn't really do much with it. And then Edley picks up the ball, charges past four or five people, gets fouled, I think, for me. And I think the Sunderland players kind of are expecting the ref to blow. They were kind of paused just for a split second. And Bergzor rungs onto it and he doesn't even look. He just hits it and it just goes into the far corner. It's a brilliant finish. I don't even think he knew what he was doing, really. I think he just shut his eyes and hit it and hoped and it, and it went in. But it was brilliant counter-attacking goal. And... To be honest, Sunderland, they often puffed, but really, they didn't create all that much. And I have to say, I wasn't overly impressed with... I mean, Sunderland, difficult place to go, scored a lot of goals. I was expecting a lot more from them. But I thought Town controlled the game really well. We were disciplined. We were really hard to break down. We pressed them at the right areas. And when we had a chance to counter-attack, crucially, we did so. I thought Sober Thomas was really good. If he could finish, he'd be outstanding. But his energy down the flanks ran right up, and I think it was, I think he had at time, and you just saw him busting the gut, running down the wing, trying to put the defender under pressure when it, otherwise they would have had an easy clearance. And I just thought, yeah, I thought the players are, are buying into more, and you know they believe in what he's saying, and and I thought that, you know, that that win really could be a bit of a turning point, really, because that was a fantastic result up there. It's just going back to this coaching thing, by the way, and and more not knowing his players. I mean, they did have a total clear out, didn't they? When 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 Neil went and and in these this day and age, that's quite unusual because of the cost of paying these people off at our level. They often keep one or two of the previous crew hanging about, but they've had a complete clear out. And I do wonder if that means there's just a total lack of knowledge of the club. You know, the, his backroom sits four. Mary, is it four of them? Three or four of them? Yeah. Um, I mean, don't even get going on the set piece, coach, but, you know, they're not exactly shining to the fore either. None of them seem to be characters. There was an interview with them and that was it. They were all as wooden as, as you like as well. So, you know, I, I think that fan engagement is difficult. I, Sunderland was was a, a really good night. I went more in hope than expectation, really. I didn't think we were going to get anything out of the game, but we played really well. We pushed really high. Um, you're right about, you know, Jackson had a brilliant game up against Clark, who, who for me... I think he's, I know the Leeds wingers are fast, but I actually think he's possibly one of the best wingers in, he could play in the Premier League, good luck for me. Two-footed, tricky, quick, 
And Jackson did an absolutely fantastic. I think he only lost him the once all night. Did an absolutely fantastic. And Sober deserves a bit of credit because he came back and, and made it hard and made him go inside because he kept going inside a lot. So, you know, there was a lot to be pleased about up at Sunderland. Um, you know, I think we got in the faces, their crowd started turning, and I think Maxwell deserves a mention. We didn't we didn't talk about him in the Southampton game, but he made a really good save from a free kick in the first half. You know, it was Clark that took the free kick, tried to tempt him to step to his, his left behind the wall, right behind the wall, and he didn't. He stood his ground and and meant he made a really good save. So, you know, it was a it was a, a proper away day performance, one that probably boiled the blood of the home fans and they'll have been walking home saying how crap we were and they can't believe we've taken three points. They're the best ones, aren't they? It was a, it was a really good night up there. Cold, but a good night. Yeah, it was good driving up and it was snowing like foot, <clears throat> thinking, oh, crap, we're going to get snowed in this Sunderland here. We're going to get battered 4-0. And, uh, and so, the A19 was supposed to be closed. But only, unfortunately, afterwards, I realised it was only towards Sunderland it was closed. So afterwards, it was right getting back. But... Just one of those games going into it. No one went, right? Because no one could be bothered. And then everyone expects to get an absolute battering. But then just before you get there, you have that little feeling, don't you? You think, do you know what? You know, I think we might nick some of you. This is town, innit? We're crap. We've got no right to come here and get in some of it. Then you get there and you're like, ah, you know what? We've got a chance. And then literally 30 seconds into that game, we have a chance to score. Should have scored one up. By 10 minutes in, we should be 3-0 up. We, were, um, we started unbelievably fast. But the most exciting part for me, straight away, guys, like we spoke about while we were there, the shift in, in, in the formation. And now it's still 5-4-1 on paper, but it's not 5-4-1 compared to what we had at first half in Southampton. You, you're just a little bit further up. You've got fast fullbacks, like you say. You've got Healy and Jackson protecting a back three that we know is as good as anybody. But then we had Kasumba there in midfield, stopping passing lanes. Sunderland focused all day. Well, sorry, first 45 minutes, trying to come through the middle. And now we were sword at the back, but you had Johnny Og and Kasuma, and all they were trying to do was play possession through the middle. And time after time after time, we'd chop those passing lanes up, turn and get forward quick. You had Karoma, you had Sorba Thomas and Bergzog smashing it forward as quick as you can on the break. It was a perfect formation for an away day for me. And Town thoroughly, thoroughly deserved the win. You don't have to look at possession. You don't have to look at stats. Fuck them. Not bothered. Look at the way the game was played. And Sunderland offered no threat, really. Even like you say, guys, we're 2-1 Never felt like we were going to concede. Even when Pritchard came on, giving it big and fans were hating him. But it, it never felt like we were under pressure. It just, just didn't feel like it. And and you could see that Darren Moore is learning. And that's the thing. He knows, I think he's learned that if we if we stay so rigid like we did against Southampton in the first half, like we did against Hull, that we won't survive in this league. We can't. We have to offer something going forward. And, and like you said, Nick, it really was a Warnock style performance in that when we got the ball and went forward, we had a plan. We had some sort of plan. It's not as in-depth as Warnock is with your many there and everywhere, knowing the rules. It's not. But little things are creeping in, like um, set pieces from the training ground and just little things that are, are adding to Arsenal that we have that seem to be getting a little bit of extra value out of it. And I thought we were very, very well worth the win. Um, it's just nice to, to see that we went through it. I was worried that we were going to make a substitution around 60, 70 minutes to try and rest people for Swansea. But he didn't. He realised, Darren, that that game was there for the take and he kept Johnny Ogg on until the last three, four minutes when you could see he was tiring as well. But it's so important for us he kept him on. Bergzog was fucked and like we spoke about again, guys, it was really nice that even though he did absolutely nothing for 20 minutes and two seconds before he scores, I'm pretty sure I turned to you saying, he needs to take fucking Delano off. He's done nothing. He's been absolutely awful. And literally at that moment, he turns and pops on it back of the net. And it, but he still took him off straight away. He didn't He didn't then readjust his... He, he, he had his plan. Like, no, he's still knackered. He might have scored one, but it was all done on the work of 
a Headley's run, which might be the most ugly run I've ever seen somebody put in that dribbles 40 yard down a field. I don't, it looked like he lost it seven. He lost the ball seven times, yet we scored from it. But that, that he, he's he's such a determined running heel, and he, he did the same thing a few days later on. But it was just nice to see Darren think, right, he's still knackered, Delano, let's take him off now. He might have scored with his last touch, but he's done. Took him off, brought Ward on. Ward came on, shithoused the last 20 minutes. Really controlled that game as an experience forward could can do when you want to look away from home. He knew exactly, he got his body in the way, just made it hard for him. Bit of time wasting, bit of game and shit. Sportsmanship, never know which one it is, but you know what I mean. But it's just nice to, it's just nice to see it. And then he also... To me, made a, a, a game-winning substitution there when he took Karoma off and replaced him with Brahim Adeara and put him in at left wing because Sunderland at that point had resorted to just trying to work it down the wings and they did it with pace and overlapping fullbacks. That's how they were trying to break us down. And now Karoma isn't the greatest, like Sorba Thomas isn't the greatest defensively. So he made the call to put Diara there as a as a left left the the front left really played like as left midfield in a in a midfield four and it just instantly stopped Sunderland attacking. They just had nothing as soon as he brought in Diara's pace. He just he just stopped anything coming that, down that side of the field, and it, we could have played another hour, I reckon, and we wouldn't have conceded. It, it, town were that good at closing that game down against Sunderland, and for Darren Moore, compared to the games before, and it's the first time I've seen it, and I think town fans noticed it. There are definitely town fans there, but I don't know if you see that on TV. That that's what I don't. I'm not entirely sure about that. When you're watching it on TV and you can't see all the running people doing off the ball. I'm not sure you you can be aware of it the same way, but that substitution or those substitutions Darren Moore made won that game for us. And it was fucking fantastic to see it because up until that point, I didn't know if he had that in him. Yeah, I, I watched it. I come back up, so I watched it. And it and it did it did come across. I, I mean, Diara, he's very, very good at breaking play up and winning the ball. It surprised me, actually, looking at his stats. I, I didn't think he, he'd be so good at winning the ball back, but he, his stats on, on winning tackles and regaining possession are really, really good. I just wish he could do something when he, <laughs> at the end of his runs, if he if he if he decision making was better, he'd be phenomenal. But yeah, I I, <clears throat> I had no complaints whatsoever, and you could see the plan there. You could see exactly what we'd set up to do, and he followed the plan through to the end and deservedly got the three points. And then we move on to the to the Swansea game. Again, on you know traditionally a difficult game, but Swansea are no great shakes this season, and you thought. There's potentially, you know, to, to get something. And, you know, their fans aren't particularly happy with the manager down there. There's a, there's a bit of unrest. And we, we perfect start, really. Early gets down the wing, gets the ball in, and their player knocks it into the net. And then you're thinking, right, let's, you know, do exactly what we did at Sunderland. Let's sit, you know, sit tight, be solid, hit on the counter-attack when we get the chance. And... Right before the end of the first half, Danny Ward, he has a good chance. I mean, it, it looks like a horrendous miss initially, but I look, I've, I've looked back at it a few times and I think probably it just comes in slightly too high. I think he's reaching for it. And as much as you think he should score from that, I think it's probably a slightly harder chance than it first appeared. But we're dug in deep. They had a few chances, and you're thinking, "Now we're gonna we're gonna see this out." And I don't care what anybody says. I I still think that Jonathan Ogwa filed in the build up to that goal. No one will get, ever convince me otherwise because I think if that was the other way around or anywhere else in the in the game, I think he gives a foul there. But he doesn't. They continue. And to be fair, it's it's a brilliant finish from the lad. And like we did at Coventry, got the late goal. It's an absolute gut wrencher, really, because it would have been an outstanding three points. 
and especially gutted for Maxwell, who makes one of the best saves I've seen all season, where the bloke hits it and you see right behind it and it swerves in the wind and he sticks a leg out and he just gets a toe to it and gets it away. It's an amazing save, that. I've really been impressed with Maxwell. I, again, I didn't really know what to expect from him and it's it's always going to be a tough act to follow from Nichols, although he hasn't been as good this season, Nichols. But I, I think he, he couldn't have done any better, really, Maxwell. And yeah, just absolutely gutted, really. But should we be that gutted? Because it's a point away from home and it keeps the points ticking over and it's another game closer to January where hopefully we can get some reinforcements. So... I don't know. In the grand scheme of things, a point away from home, you can never be too upset, but I think we it'd have been nice to have got all three, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. And I think a point, we've said this before, haven't we? Any point in the championship is hard-earned. You don't get out for out in this league, do you? And, and by the way, I'm with you. I thought it was a foul as well, Nick. Um, I mean, that ref, I mean, the state of him with his fade and his sleeve tattoo and his... his muscle-tight T-shirt. It'll have been Nando's, what he after game, telling his mates how great he was. I actually thought <laughs> he had a bit of a poor game, to be honest. I thought I thought there were a couple of opportunities where their players should have been booked and they weren't. But in fairness, I've made a poor decision. Delano made a poor decision giving him the ball because Del could have gone down the wing and decided to come back and then play it inside. Hog, you know, Hog lets him run across his... I mean, just that, what are you doing? Just put it in a touch. It doesn't matter, does it? Um, so there were two poor decisions, poor fact, poor decision by the ref, and then the broken scored. And, and and I think if you looked at the stats, you'd say that was you know that's the least Swansea deserved. Certainly the the commentators on the stream I watched that, that felt it was the least they deserved. But they had nineteen corners, but didn't trouble us really with with an odd one where they got a clear header. But I don't think they got one on. They had twenty two shots, but only five on target. We had three. So you know when you look at it in that measure, but the big turning point was that that was that ward chance. You know, the the two chances, the goal, and then that chance came from from uh, Headley just turning, you know, just burning that lad off for pace that was playing right back, and really, you know, that that goal goes in. Yeah, that's three points nailed on. So you know, I think that that for me was the that was the turning point of the game, and I, I always felt that might. Um, might come back to owners. And I thought after 60, 70 minutes, we looked tired, which is no great surprise, is it? Virtually the whole team have played three games in less than a week, expended a lot of energy against Southampton, travelled to Sunderland, then travelled back to Huddersfield and travelled to Swansea. So it wasn't a surprise. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm delighted. If you'd have said to me before the Southampton game, would you take five points? I'd have absolutely snapped your hand off. So to take five points on three games, I'm I'm absolutely delighted, and just hope that the uh, the players, you know, get that last minute goal out of the head and and just look on the positives from it, and then uh, to coin the phrase, we can go again on Saturday, can't we? I'd have called you mental if you said we were going to get five points from those games. So to say you can't yeah. say anything but impressed. But Swansea no. have just sacked Michael Duff. So uh, are they really? Happens, yeah, just just twenty minutes ago, apparently. So he's been bullied. It's what you can't. What happens? You can't break us down. <laughs> but that just the thing is with the Swansea game, we put again right. I've just just thought about this. This right now, this is quite clever. I'm going to say, say it myself. Right, we've played three games where we've had less than twenty percent possession. Which so in three games, we've probably had the ball less than most teams have it in one game, or, or many teams have it in one game. So we've put so much work in off the ball to, and we've got such a small squad, and we've got a trade in between as well. There's no way you can expect us to get to Swansea playing the same system, giving up possession as we do, 
and expect to have a, a, a 90-minute performance. It's just not going to be. It's impossible for it to be there. And that's why I was so impressed and, and thought it was so important against Sunderland that we gave everything we could to keep a first team on, to take three points. Because if we would have taken one against Southampton, three against Sunderland, and then nothing against Swansea away, we'd have all been happy with that. We might not be because of the way the Swansea game uh, went. And, and now a lot of fans have spoken out about the way we've played football. They've quickly jumped straight on that, saying it's shite, we can't play like that. It's not. It's anti-football, whatever. But... We've gone one up in three minutes. And if Johnny Ogg doesn't turn inside, regardless of whether, whether he's fouled or not, we win that game 1-0. We gave nothing away. We give no chances away. Maxwell made a nice little save from a shot from 30 yards and made a, a horrible swerve late on. Danny Ward's chance to me, I thought he's very difficult. It's behind him. Um, they're really hard to get on target with enough power to score. They are, guys. You can shake your head. But as a striker, I can tell you, they're mm. quite difficult to put away. I mean, I'd have put it away, but... Danny Ward's not well, in, fa- in, in fairness with Sazzy off forehead you don't need to jump there well, so it makes it slightly easy for you well, I'd be straight <laughs> in that bottom corner no problem I mean, it's straight down into the ground but it's it's just it's, we're one up after three minutes and Swansea couldn't break us down and we just played two games in six days prior to that where we're giving everything to, we're blocking the defenders are literally chucking themselves at every single look how many blocks we have per game it's always the most in the championship by by the bottom couple of teams. We are throwing everything we can at it. You can't say the players are trying because they're doing everything they can. But you do get tired eventually. And, and against Swansea, when we've just, like I say, drawn Southampton and chased that game down and then gone to... Of course, it's going to drop off in the second half. And, and by Johnny O'Turner inside, we walk away with, an extra three, with another two points. I can't criticise Town at all for the performance at Swansea because overall it's far greater than what I could have expected. And it's as simple as that. You're not going to win every game. And we are in a situation here where we have to pinpoint fixtures. Not not, not if you've got a weak break, but when you have such a congested scenario and you don't have a big squad and you can't rest, there's literally no one on the bench who can come in bar. We rested Bergzorg and Karoma for the start of it because they were wrecked from Sunderland. There's no one else we can rotate in. There's nothing there. We don't even have a full bench most weeks. Yet we still managed to dig out three performances and three positive results within a week. So it's remiss of me and and, and uh, it's some sort of false narrative for me to say it's not great considering what had happened on Saturday just because we went one up in the first few minutes. I thought it was a, a great result regardless of how the performance went. But when fans are getting on the back of it saying this is embarrassing, you can't play like this, you can. Because if Town had opened up on Saturday with a knackered team, we wouldn't have come in, coming back over a point, would have been given a, a proper sound beating. Um, and I genuinely believe that. But you've got to turn it back and say, well, how, how would you play it? You, you can't just sit and criticise and say, well, it's boring, we, we can't, it's it's pathetic football, it's rubbish, we're never going to win playing like that. But if you look at what we've got available, how can you play realistically? What can we do? Because we've absolutely minimal quality going forward. We, we don't have enough quality midfield. It's made a difference that we've got players back like Kasumu, who's brought some energy, dynamism, into midfield. But if you look at the players that he's had, at one point, it would it would be team standard for some games. So, I don't know what else he could do. You know, I, I think you've got to look at it in the in the wider context and acknowledge the fact that, you know, mo- most managers would struggle with this squad as it is at the moment. Now, we're managing to start, we've started to turn a bit of the corner. We've only lost one, you know, out of the last five. It's not too bad. You know, you're looking at the form of some... Now, it hasn't helped the fact that the form of some of the others below us. You know, QPR's won the last two. Rotherham got a decent point. And then Wednesday's 
managed to get the win, didn't they? So it's only four point gap. But you look at the equally, you look at the teams that are just above us. You know, Stokes lost the last three who were just above us. They don't look great at all. Millwall, who we've got to play soon, are no much better. They've lost the last two and drawn one. We've got Preston, who have lost the last three. So although they started really well, they're tapering off. And Bristol City, who are bang average, they've lost the last two. So we're coming into, we're starting to come into a bit of form and we're playing teams who at the moment are in absolutely dire form. So suddenly, if we manage to get a win or maybe a couple of wins out the next few games, suddenly the pitch is completely different and we're sat in mid-table. And, you know, what's going to be the reaction then? Are we still shit? You know, is he still not the right guy? Is the football still awful? You know, it's it's fine margins, isn't it? Like, yes, it's been terrible, but... And I know what you're saying about, oh, Ian, but we could have got a point. We could have got a point there, if not for a last-minute goal. We could have got a win down at Swansea. It's, it's such fine margin. Then you, you sat on another three points and, and mid-table, nearly. So I think we've got to just stick with him a bit more. We, we've got to give him. We've got to give him time. We've got to see how it develops, certainly over the next few games towards January. And then the, the crucial thing is going to be what happens in January for me. Do you think, now, Nick, Nick, do you think yeah. fans are like this because... I, I think it's still a hangover from the Premier League where we still can't accept now. Oh, yeah. We are where definitely. we're at. So rather than accepting, like, I think a, a more mature fan might think, right, we've been shit for the last couple of years, Corbin aside, and, 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 and you, you can't look at what it used to be like. You've got to look what it is now, and the squad is terrible. The squad isn't good. So you can't expect attacking football with this squad. It's regard, re- irrelevant what happened two years ago when we had Toffolo and Pippa and, and attacking kind of footballers there and Lewis O'Brien driving us forward. It's like they still kind of hold on to what we used to have and expect us to play the same way. And I, I, I just don't. Or is that? Is it, that's just my opinion on it. I don't. Know what you guys reckon? But that's kind of where I'm at with it. They expect us still to be there and get upset that we're not without actually looking at the pieces we've got left. I think it's twofold, mate. I think the fact that we've been rubbish for, you know, eight of the last ten seasons. Let's be honest. Since we've been in the championship, we've we've suffered eight of the last ten seasons, and you know it gets you down. Like every every season, watching your team lose more often than not, and been down near the bottom in a relegation battle, it is going to wait. You know, town fans are, are no different to any other football fan. I think any any football fan that I get you down after after eight seasons of struggle out of ten. But you're right. You know, we got to Premier League, and we didn't just go up for one year. We were there for two years. So after two years in the Premier League and all that money, you would expect us as a minimum to be competing mid table of the Championship like most other clubs, unless they absolutely mess up financially and absolutely dive bomb, you know, you would expect us to be at least mid to upper half of the table. And that obviously hasn't happened. But I it, I, I agree with you, mate. And even I remember, I still remember to this day, even with Corberan, we were playing Barnsley away and they were booed off at half time there and we were drawing the game 1-1. And that run to Corberan in that, in that season where we nearly got to Prem, 90 minutes away from Prem and they were booing him off in that game. And... I think it all st- it does. Part of it, I think, is just frustration of the fact that it's just years of underinvestment and years of struggle, consistent struggle, and also thinking back to what might have been. But at some point, you've got to move on. You've got to put that in the past, and now you've got to look and say, you know, we've got and we've got the perfect opportunity to do that now because we've got a new ownership. Is enthusiastic. You know, time will tell if he's willing to put the money that's required in to to get us up there. There's obviously constraints as well around the financial fair play, etc. So it's it's going to be, time will tell as to what we can actually do there. But 
you know, you've got to at least get behind and give it give it a chance. You can't just dismiss it. And we are in the very early stages of that new ownership. And it's almost like fans have kind of made up their mind about the manager, about the owner already. But we're only just at the beginning of the journey. And I, I, I do think it's a little bit harsh, to be honest, because I don't know what they're expecting to just come in and then spend loads of money and then suddenly be sort of top six because it, it takes time to but like a lot of these sides have been years in the building. You know, you, you look at like your old cities and your your Sunderlands that's been down in League One for God knows how long, your Ipswiches. You know, it, it takes time to build a, a, a squad that consistently gets results. And, you know, at the moment, we're just we're just not there yet. But that doesn't mean that we aren't going to be. But we, we aren't even we've only had one transfer window. Now that was it was slightly special circumstances on the Warner because I think that partly stunted us in terms of who we could bring in because there's a bit of uncertainty there and we also have restrictions around what we can spend. Now I'm led to believe those are going to be lifted a bit in January and with you know a more sort of solid management structure, longer term plan. Who knows? We might be able to bring in a few decent players and we and then we'll be able to see from there. But I think to dismiss it and to be sort of negative towards it now is a little bit short-sighted for me. I, I think we've got to be more patient than that as fans. I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I, Nick, I don't think some fans can get over the departure of Warnock in the way that it happened. That, that's a problem for some people. That's why they're really picking on picking on everything Kevin Nagel says now because they're convinced he's gone because of the the, the in, now infamous Norwich tweet. Um you know, the next couple of games really are a big test for Darren Moore in a completely different way to the previous three because we're at home against two teams who are, as you rightly say, Nick, they're not flying. Because I'm a dull ad, I had a look at the at the possession stats in the championship. Huddersfield the second bottom with Rotherham bottom, but Preston our fourth bottom and Millwall the fifth bottom. So we're about to play two teams. So if we had our possession up, we'll be only playing... Football sixty percent of the time, so I don't know if the other the other point because, but you know that that's going to be the challenge now. And you know this is the next next stage for Darren now. Is can he find a way to to play a game at home with the with with you know because as Ian says, there were what five or six hundred of us at Sunderland, if that. And you know you got the hardcore there, aren't you? When you when you've got twenty four thousand, where it's going to be at the home because Bristol and Bristol Preston will bring a few fans, but I don't think Bristol will. I can't see that being a massive turnout. So is he going to be able to turn that on? And is he going to be able to find a way to to beat those teams at home and not beat them in style, but play in a way that's a bit more conducive to, to that opposition? You know, if he sets up in the same way, which is probably what he's going to have to do, by the way, I'm 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 sitting on the fence with this. I don't think he's got a choice with a person unless he gets some bodies back. That's exactly how he's going to set up. He ain't going to change anything, is he? But we're going to have to be much more effective on the break because you know when otherwise we're going to have the back three passing it side by side to side to side for twenty five minutes that way. Well, it is you know laughing, but we're not going to be playing through the thirds, are we? That's for sure. So you know he's got a different challenge coming up now, and I think if he can find a way to at least put a bit of a performance on and maybe get four out of six points, not only does that really boost our chances of staying up in the championship. I actually think that will go a long way to getting some of the fans who have moved from being, I'm not really keen on Darren Moore to actually maybe this bloke's doing all right over the last three games from being there into, you know, I can see in your where you are, Nick, which is, look, I can see the positives, I can see the challenges, but I can see the opportunity. 
that is massive, isn't it? I think seeing how we can dictate play, because I, 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 the way we play is so reliant on it being a counter-attacking football. I've got no idea what we look like yet when it comes to a home game. We're expected to have a go. If the other team come and sit back, Fotheringham side struggled with this as well. Um, if other teams surrender possession to us, that's when we get caught out when we're trying to play forward. And I, I don't know what a Darren Moore team looks like when we're trying to play with the ball because we haven't had the possession. But like you say, if you if if you're looking at Preston and Millwall with such low possession possession based football as well, then someone's gonna it's gonna be like that Simpsons gif where these four players just passing it around on opposition's team to each other because like, no one's gonna want to take the ball for those. It was gonna. I I don't know how these games are gonna play out. It's actually. Again, I, I quite look, I, I do enjoy looking at seeing you know, how different football teams play football and, and how they approach other teams' tactics, and it really is quite quite an interesting one to to see what happens in the next few home games for Town because I don't think we can play another way. But if we can't play another way, and you're playing counter attacking based football at home, you have to be winning other fans. Otherwise, fans will turn on you. So this this is a huge huge few weeks for Darren Moore to uh, a few games for Darren Moore because if things go against us here. The fans will turn against us really, really quickly because the football isn't nice, nice on the eye. When you're playing at home, people accept counter-attacking football away from home. People accept slow games at home. If you're winning, like with David Wagner and Corbin, they played that kind of not the most exciting football. We we controlled and strangled the life out of games and just nick a goal. It wasn't the most exciting. I didn't find them the most exciting either. But we won games, so it's very exciting when you're successful. But Darren Moore's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum and that it's, it's quite dire and we don't control the ball. So if you aren't in front at home, fans will get quite vocal and Bristol Bristol is going to be a, going to be a tough one. And, I, and I'm just interested to see how, it, how that first 45, 45 minute goes, especially to see if he has got any other plans for us to, to dictate play. Because if I'm Bristol City, I turn up and say, right, we'll low block you and let's see what you can do. Because I think if Town get out of shape, we're ready to be hit on the counter attack because we've got wing backs that will push on. So I, I, it's it could go anywhere, but I, I think it's going to be quite unpredictable what does happen this weekend. And, and it's, it's a game for Delano for me. I think you know that bit of who knows what is. I don't think he even he doesn't even know what he's going to do next, does he? So I think it could be a game for him, maybe a game for Diara. You know, for somebody who can just create a bit of something out of nothing. Because they are going to, you're right, I think both, you know, if you were if you were Bristol or Preston, you'd be coming and doing exactly that and you'd be saying, well, come on then, let's see what you got. Let's see what you got. And, and let's be honest, up to press, we haven't had much when it comes to the attacking third, have we? So, but, but, I, but I go back to what I said before, I just cannot see, you know, the way we've played in the last three games to change that formation drastically would be a massive gamble, a massive gamble. You know, I, would we be happy with two points from them two games? Well, like Sunderland guys, they had to have a go at us because they're at home. Fans were on the back, like you said, they were booing them. Swansea had to do the same thing. Even yeah, the one 0 down, they've got to have a go anyway. But they had to over have a go because the fans were accepting trying to outplay us in a way that will will drag us out of shape. Different when you're at home. When you when you're away from home for Bristol, they, they can take it an entirely different way. And Town are going to have to find something to be able to create an an, an attacking pattern. And I, and I've not seen any anything that we can do other than counter-attacking football. But if they sit deep, my issue there with Delano is he wants to get around the back quickly. If they sit deep and take that away from him, what's he going to do then? It's, it's really it's really going to be a, a bit of a reality check, I think, for town this weekend to try and to try and fathom a, a new way to break teams down. I'll tell you what's interesting, by the way, that Bristol City are only three points in front of us and they're in 10th. That shows you 
how tight that league is. So you know, if we win on if we won on Saturday, we won because it's almost I'm sure if everybody did the maths of who plays who and how that pans out and everybody can't lose, everybody can't win, you know, we could we could climb eight or nine places. It's just that 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 section now between eighth and eighteenth is absolutely rammed. So it's really important we don't we don't let any opportunity slip in. You know, I think we've got Norwich coming up just before Christmas, and I think our Christmas I'm not that you know I don't think our Christmas uh, period is going to yield that many points with Norwich, Blackburn, Middlesbrough, Leicester. You know that that's there's four really tough games. I'm with you. I think we need six out of nine out of the next three to give us a bit of breathing space over Christmas. Well, I say it. I say it every season, but you know everyone sort of says before the season starts, it's the toughest the championship's going to be. It's going to be a really tough league. Look at the sides that's come down. And then sort of midway through the league, we think actually it's not that great really, is it? And other than sort of the top four <clears throat> sides, I, I I don't think the other teams are that great. I don't think we're anything to worry about, to be honest. And that's what I mean. Like you get a couple of wins and suddenly you're up there in mid-table and, you know, what, what were we worried about? Um I don't see anything to worry about in the next. I mean, Norwich are a bit hit and miss, aren't they? Who knows really with them? It could it could go either way, but I don't see any reason why we couldn't go there and get get a point at least. Millwall are terrible at the moment, although away at Millwall is difficult. But there's no reason why we can't get a result. And then Preston and Bristol, Preston are a funny side. Who knows if they turn up on the day, they'll make it tough. But Bristol City, we have to target Bristol City at home. You know, the the bang average. Never easy, you know. No, no game in the championships easy, but we're at home. We've, we've got to. You're right. We've got to take it to them. We've got to make a bit of the statement, and we've got to. We've got to show that we, you know, we're not just a side that just sits back for ninety minutes. We've got to. We've got to attack them, and uh, not not all out attack, because otherwise, like you say, we'll just they'll just pick us apart. But we've got to. We've got to pick our moments, and we've got to be a bit adventurous and a bit brave when you know when the when the moments arise. Right, you say, Nick, QPR have won two back-to-back. Wednesday have taken four from six in the last two games. You know, they suddenly seem to have found a little bit of something. Rotherham are still floundering, but their home form is phenomenal. They took a point each off Leeds and Ipswich in their last two games. So they'll win enough home games. If they can find an answer to their away form, they're going to write right down our neck. And the QPR game, by the way, I've got to make it was a big stoker. They stuck with 2-1 up, absolutely cruising, and had a man sent off. And QPR completely took advantage of that. And you just wonder for QPR, is that the turning point? They suddenly get the confidence back, the tails are up, and away they go, because they've got some decent players. They do, and you can't write off Warnock coming into one of these sides, can you, in February? <laughs> and having a having a final sale proceedings. But, you know, I mean, if you're, a, if you're a fan of Stoke, you're looking over your shoulder. If you're a fan of Millwall, you're looking over your shoulder. Coventry don't look great this season. Plymouth are starting to drop a little bit now. So, you know, yet the teams below us have started to pick some points. But you're, ne- you're never going to go all through the season. and They're not going to lose every game. They are going to get wins at, at points. And to be fair, like, we've we've got four points out of the last six. So it's not like we've dropped loads of points. And all we've got to do is match their results, really. So, and I, and I, just, I just think if we can get to January, to me, it injures on how we're doing January and the players we're bringing in January. If we don't get it right, if we don't strengthen in the right areas, if we don't get reinforcements in the attack and the midfield, because we will get more injuries. You know, when you when you have as little of the balls we do, like Ian said before, and, you, and you're chasing everything and you're tackling all the time and you're running, 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 
the games are coming thick and fast. We're going to pick injuries up. And Kasumu, I, I really like Kasumu. I think his energy is fantastic, but he's injured more often than not. He'll get injured again. You know, Jonathan Ogg, his back will go at some point. His hip will go, because it always does. So he'll be out for a month or so. And then it's, well, where? what have we got? You know, hopefully Radon is going to come back in the, in the next month or so, but it'll take him a bit of time to get up to speed. So we need those reinforcements. And, you know, January's tough. It's a tough window, but I, I think personally our season, if we can if we can get through to January, still outside of the bottom three, if we make the right signings, we'll be absolutely fine. Don't do the business in January. The other teams below us, certainly your QPRs, etc., they're going to strengthen. So we're gonna we will be in trouble. But to me, you know, that's down to Nagel and, and the team to sort that out. And it, and he did, you know, he's come out. To be fair, he, he said he's going to back him in January. Let's see, let you know, actions speak louder than words, don't they? So we'll see what we'll see what happens. But talking of talking of Kev, um, we've had the latest two episodes, haven't we, of Up the Town? I I watched them, you know, and and like every. <laughs> Like all the time with these things, you get a mixed reaction from supporters and some some love it, some hate it. Some think it's a bit of a circus. Some think it's all bollocks. It's all, you know, club PR stuff. It's always going to show things in a good light and actually it's not a fair reflection of this, that and the other. And others think it's really good to have a little behind-the-scenes look and it's something that, a lot, you know, most other clubs don't offer. I I I like them, you know. I, I, you don't learn anything new from them, you know, really. But... I don't know. I mean, it gets it gets views on YouTube. It's nice to just have a little bit of behind the scenes view into the process and into bit into Nagel's sort of personal life. And you know, it was obvious that you know the club was a bit on the brink in terms of administration, and he's come in and we've avoided that. And I I I, I think they come across well, but then of course they're going to you know in in something that's produced <laughs> by the owner himself. Directed by the owner, it's it's always going to come across well. So, the highlight for me was seeing Ian's starring role in the uh, in the meeting. You know, he's a full on YouTuber now, and he's professionally yeah. fighting KSI next week. That's it. Last time I'm here, I'm, I'm not coming back again. I'll get my royalties from my two second performances, which actually I'm quite used to those kind of performances. But it was just, it's it's, it's nice to see it because. Look, it's town of winning. All the fans fucking love it. The reason why people are taking it a little bit negatively is because if you're losing off the field, people take offence at everything that anyone tries to do new because you're thinking, why are you concentrating on that? We're not winning games. Now, to me, yeah, it's positive, but it's just not... No one knows anything about Kevin Nagel. No one, no town fan had ever heard of him. Maybe one person that supports the Sacramento Kings. I'm sure we've got one, one, maybe two town fans that do. But apart from that, no one's ever heard of him ever before. And now this has given us a bit of background into the guy that is in charge of our club, right? So I love it. I, I love to see it. I, I like to just just to learn anything we can about him, even if it is produced by him or whatnot. It, it, it's it's the more information I can get about town, the better. And it just gives you a little bit of a different angle and it's a little bit more professional than anything we've ever produced ever before. And if you don't think it makes a difference to a player, seeing little things like that, it does. Things like that does matter, do matter. It might look tiny, but you're trying to sign for... That's why town now... Announce our attendances, regardless of how many people are actually there, but on tickets sold, so we look bigger. So when it looks to bringing in marketing, uh, new advertisers and 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 partners for corporate stuff and and players and all that type of stuff, we want to look bigger than we are. We want to look more professional than we are. Of course, we do. Every club seems to get some sort of benefit from doing that. So this is just another thing that helps with that. If you don't like it, don't watch it. It's really not very hard. 
I, I think it's a little bit of a stretch to say Netflix would be too interested in it in, in the fashion that it is because it definitely is a, a communication piece to make town look good for town fans, in my opinion. Maybe the plans, if Netflix did come in, will be quite different to what it's actually got because it's not quite Sunderland till I die just yet, is it? You, you're not seeing anybody totally really hopeful and then desolately destroyed afterwards when they're getting battered against lower league opposition in the cup. Like that's not that's not kind of that program just yet. But I like I like to see it. It, it just it's nice because for us for me, I feel like town are quite a long way behind other clubs in our division when it comes to professionalism. I don't think we are there. I think we've not been run at the same kind of level in that kind of regard and 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 whilst there's a definitely a long way to go and I feel like the fans will definitely have quite a steep learning curve accepting the club going in that direction it's something that's going to happen eventually so why not now and it's just uh, something I like to watch when it does come out especially when I'm when I'm in it for all of two seconds I hope I hope Netflix comes off you know just from a from a fan's point of view just because I like watching anything town related but what what angle would we possibly go with there to get people looked into it, I just can't. The reality can't. of it, if, if if town had a Netflix documentary over the over the since the second Premier League, or even the the getting promoted to the Premier League until now, people wouldn't believe it. Where, where we find ourselves and the up and downs that we've had and since then would be would have made a fantastic documentary of Phil Hodgkinson coming in and then his businesses kind of going into did it go in, did it go into administration, guys? I think that's the correct. I will be very careful of the terms that I use here. <laughs> Yes, I think it yes they definitely The book value change when they lost the uh, uh, something happened in cut. Like these, all sorts of things that's happened, and, and and town are a very interesting club over the last few years. It's just that I'm not entirely sure what what would be interesting for everybody else to watch. Nick would be something the new town ownership would want to put out just yet because it seems entirely it's, it's the antithesis of of what they're trying to portray in the documentaries that we've seen at the moment. But we are a fun club. We've never got a boring season. Well, we we were mate, a... but. The thing is, that's been and gone, though, hasn't it? I mean, you could, like, alt Paddy Power and all that shit. That'd have been great to get, but it's been and gone, hasn't it? And now it's it's like a different, it's a different era. And so I don't, I mean, it would it would have been immense, like the Wagner years going up, you know, real underdog. People would have, they'd have loved that, you know. Sort of your neutral football fans would have got behind that. And and even, like, Neil Warnock is a, he's a big name, isn't he? He's a big name manager, and a lot of people would have tuned in for that, and... And for sheer comedy value, obviously, after the Prem and all the debacles that went on after that, people would have probably got some out of that. But now, I'm, I'm struggling. I don't know now, so I'm, other than, you know, an American that's bought a club, you know, within 10 days or whatever, last minute, and now he's trying to find his feet and what have you. I don't know what sort of angle we're going to go with it, really, to sell it to... Because town fans are always going to always going to tune in, but it's everyone else, isn't it? Like, what, what, what sort of angle do we go with now? But it'll be interesting, but... I think anything that gets even one more fan interested in Huddersfield Town can only be a good thing. Any kind of exposure is better than what we've had, surely. So for me, it can only be a good thing. And I've I've enjoyed watching them. I mean, I'm a simple guy, but and the you know they are pretty simple. But I I don't mind them personally. I don't know how many we're gonna do, but we'll we'll see how it goes and look out for that Netflix. I mean, it could be the next Squid Game. It could be it could be that big guys. Could have loads so we have to of, win loads a few of games, views. though. We've got to win a few games before they release them. So it depends, <laughs> depends how long, how long it's going to take for our next win before we can release them, doesn't it, really? <laughs> um, right, lads. I mean, we've talked, we've, there's been a lot there, haven't there, to cover. Anything else anyone wants to bring up? I mean, uh, what about Sorba, by the way? Because I mentioned it before, but 
you know, he, he's had a, a lot of critics, hasn't he? But certainly over the past sort of three, four games, I, I think he's been really good. And you never know with Sorbet. Same with Karoma. You never know what they're going to be like, depending on what manager comes in. They respond well to certain types of manager. But it seems like Sorbet and, and Moore have, have clicked and he seems to be getting the best out of him. And, you know, the energy, like I said, at, at that Sunderland game, I really appreciated the energy that was putting in right to the end. He's, he's working hard. His crosses into the box, his delivery is, is back to where it was before. I just wish he could shoot. But, you know, I... I um, I, I think he's playing really, really well and, and long may it continue. And I think, you know, for the fans still having a go at him, you know, is it is it time really to sort of put that behind and, and look forward and get behind him? I think Sober likes to be the man, doesn't he? <clears throat> he likes to be the man. And, and I think Darren Moore's giving him that, giving him the reins to be the, the man again. He, you know, our set-piece coach, I have no idea what he does for a living because it seems to be... Yeah, to just just get sober. If you get a set piece, mate, you just take it. Brilliant, thanks. I'm off home. See you later. Because that's about the art sum of our set pieces at the minute. But his delivery is starting to get back to the levels it has been before. I'm with you, Nick. His work rate has been immense. You know, I, I think he perhaps you know, he probably won't because I'm not sure it's in his character. But you know, he really wants to be having a look at himself because the way he behaved after he went to Blackburn is 50% of what caused the problems. You know, the way he was and the way he spoke, it, it didn't help himself. So, and I think we said at the time, didn't we, that he needs to be careful because he might have to, he might have to come back here and try and play, and that's exactly what happened. So, you know, there's a few people, perhaps a bit unkind, saying, "Well, he's playing for a move in January. That's all he's interested in." Oh, that's really unfair. I think if you were at Sunderland and you saw the work rate he put in, I'm not sure you think that's what he was there for. Um, but yeah, you know, he's got he's got the potential to play an absolutely key part in in the rest of our season. So, fingers crossed, he, he keeps up that level of work rate for me. I think he had a bit of a reality check going to Blackburn. He thought he was main man at town initially and went to Blackburn. It didn't quite work out for him. And I think you're right, guys. I think I think he likes to be the big man. I think he likes to be the big fish in a little pond. And and this year, we're seeing the best of him. And we, we really are. I still, I, I can't lie. If, if it's defensive work and he's second man off Jackson's the first man, I'm worried I am really worried because he's not the the best defensively. His positioning's good, but he doesn't really kind of stick that foot in. But that aside, and, and, and uh, to be honest, I think that's why it didn't really work out for him too much about Burn either. I think they look for a more all-rounded player because they've got more options available to them. And we don't have that. We've got to have players that have certain limitations. But Sauber Thomas this year has been the best attacking player we've got, I think, um, consistently week after week. And is is set piece? I, I, you know what? We could all be set piece coach. I just whack it in. It's just whack it to Ellick. That's why Ellick's second best scorer we've got. Because Sauber Thomas Thomas is smashing it into me. If it's not to Ellick, it's to Pearson to edit back to Ellick to edit in. So that, that that's Sauber Thomas this year has been really really good. Um, he, he's he's very fit. He runs all day long. He, he's he's he never looks seems to look tired. Um, and he just looks like he he carries a team on his back a little bit. Like if everyone else is having a bit of an off day, he still looks like he's playing his game. And he's still focused on doing what he can for town. Even when everyone else looks really deep in and playing with a low block, he still tries to break forward in the way that he does. And I think Chrome has also been just as good as, as Sober Thomas, to be honest. I do. In, in a very different way. They're both effective players. It's like you can't necessarily explain why they're so good at creating positive outcomes, but Heedley's a third one that really falls into that category too. Like Heedley's his technique looks to me pretty rudimentary. It looks pretty basic, but when he's driving it forward, no one can stop him. 
and he gets into the right places and plays the right ball at the right time. The last couple of games, Sober Thomas and Cromer has it, and I think that's why you look at the team, you don't see any superstars, but then when we're playing a weekend, playing the, the new system we seem to be going with, we're more in the in the five four one. We look good. We look like we're going to create chances and score goals. Only one, and then we'll defend for the rest of the game. But for those moments, we look look much better. And both Sober Thomas and Karoma again, as an aside, look like they're, they're the key parts in it. And it's nice to see it because let's say Sober when he went to Blackpool, they, uh, Blackburn, there were a few issues he, he put down to attitude, but it just seems to have gone. Or or if it's still there, he seems to have used it to focus himself to perform better and and, and for us rather than against against us a little bit and um, I just hope he can continue because if Sauber Thomas plays well for the rest of the season I think we have a, a good season I think it's just his personality I remember Warnock saying he could pick a fight in an empty room it's just it's just his way he is and I don't mind like as long as he performs on the pitch and gives 100% I don't care really you know it's I, I like I always say actions speak louder than words and if he gets on that pitch and gives his all while he's on the pitch and delivers I'm, I'm always going to be behind him like I am with any of the players that, that go out there wearing a town shirt. But so we move on to Bristol guys on um, on Saturday. What we're we doing for this game? So very quickly before we go, would you go five four one? Would you match them three four three? Because that's what they, that's what they normally play. Or do we do like a fluid in between sort of switching? I, I think it, again, I, I expect Bristol to have majority of possession. I think I think we'll sit back and I think we'll. I know what you're saying, Ian, about us being at home, but I, I think we will just sit back in it on the counter-attack because that's what's worked for us. Um, I, I think it'll be 5-4-1, sort of reverting to a 3-4-3, sort of going forward and, and trying to get... <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, Wardy, he's still not 100%. Bergzog, for me, is a, a left-winger. He's not a striker. And I think he, he said as much when, it, when they interviewed him a month ago on Radio Leeds as a winger. So do you put him on the wing? Do you play him as a striker? I would probably play him centrally for this game, like you said, Gaz, and then bring Wardy on. If we are leading, bring Wardy on just to help with his experience to just hold the ball up the pitch, a bit further up the pitch and see out the game. What would you guys go with? If you were the manager, what would you pick? Just that, I think. I think you, excuse me, I'd go with Delano, definitely. I just can't see him changing that shape. Um, the only thing he might do if we've got Wiles or Ridoni back is whether you'd rest Hogg and or Kasumu one or t'other. Um, you know, those two blo- you know, Kasumu's got knees that are in worse state than than killers. So he's never going to see a season out, is he? So, you know, I think he might he might rest one or two, possibly. Um, you know, they're not in great form either. They've I'm just having a quick look, they've only taken four points from the last 21. So they're not in great form either. They just got done by Norwich at home. And Norwich, as we as you said earlier, Nick, are having a really tough time, aren't they? So they'll be stinging from that defeat. And I do think first goal's vital. I do think if we score the first goal, I think we'll win. We could even be a comfortable win two or three. Um, I worry if they score first, have we got the wherewithal with wherewithal to be able to to break down a team that's gonna have 10, 11 men behind the ball. But yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting, but I, I do fancy us. I think we'll probably sneak a Sneaker 2-0, I think. Sneaker 2-0. Uh, if if Rodoni's coming back in this weekend, I don't I don't think he is. Either. I think he's out for a while. I don't know if he's back in training just yet. But I feel like it's an opportunity not to go with a 5-4-1. I really think if you're going to change it and you're going to go with a different system at home, this is the time to do it. Shit form. 
we're on a bit of an up. I think you've got to have a go. I don't think we will. I think we will go with a five four one. And and again, like I say, I'm just really intrigued to see how we go about it because I think if we go with a five four one at home and we struggle and we don't break them down, people will be less accepting of it away from home. It's a real. It's a real. We're on the edge of a precipice here, and it, it's going to be fantastic, or it's going to go down quickly on Saturday. I can't see it just being okay. I think it's going to be fantastic or horrendous, and. Personally, I, I'd I'd try and surprise them and, and go with a four four one one. I'd go to about four this weekend, but we won't. I, I just I just can't see it after positive results. But the problem is football is that if you stay the same and you stagnate, people work you out. People get the tapes on you. They work out systems how to beat you. So you can't play the same way every single game for a full season unless you're Man City or Liverpool. Unless you're the best teams with the best players, you have to adjust to the teams you're playing. And now it's working for us for now. And I feel like we've got a system that can work a lot of the time in teams that are going to take it toward, to us. But then you're playing teams that are going to sit back a little bit and you've got to have a different option. I don't know where Darren Moore's worked on that or if he has just yet. So I think we're going to be um, going back with what we've got, but it won't work forever. So there are there is going to have to be a plan B at some point. And for me, this will be the weekend to try it. But we won't. We'll go back to 5-4-1. I think we're in for a tough day. I think we're in for a tough one. I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if we lost this weekend. I think that's a reality check coming coming to face. And that's me after saying someone were fantastic and Southampton was good in the second half and we were good at Swansea considering what we could do. But I just think we're going to try and do the same thing again and Bristol will let us dictate play and we won't know what to do with it and we'll get hit on the counter. Um, and, and there'll be a bit of a firestorm after the game with the people are getting really worried about it, but it's a big one. It's a huge game. I think it's much bigger than people realise because it's the first time we've got to set some sort of pace See if Bristol can live up to it. I don't know if we've got it in us just yet with the players we've got available. I don't know, mate. I mean, I I think we'll go three four three. I'll be a bit more adventurous, but I think we will go back to a back five at times, and it will be sort of deep defending at times. They're not a bad side, Bristol, but they're not. They're no great shakes like either. <sighs> it's one of those, though, Nick. If you don't go at Bristol at home now, who will you go at? That's yeah. Kinda... Bad form. Can't... Not, not, not. They've not got a squad that you think. Oh, they're really good. We're going to have to respect them. If you don't go now, when will you? They're kind of one of them sides that you always think. Oh, yeah, we should beat them, but we rarely do. Oh, in Bristol, they're kind of the weird. They're, they're always kind of mid-table, and you think, oh, that's one to target as a win. But it never. It's never been an easy game, has it? We've never had an easy game at home to Bristol, even when we've beaten them. Really, I, I, I'm going to be optimistic and say we're going to win two-one. But I, I think it could go either way, and I think, I think you're right. But I think. We're on a bit of an upward trajectory here. I think we've we've started to see a bit of consistency in the standard of performance as well, which, you know, we're not seeing stupid tinkering like we did against Birmingham where it just makes really random changes and it just messes everything up. We're seeing a bit more consistency in the in the team selection and performance and I don't see any reason why we can't carry that through to Saturday. We we have to we have to have the impetus. We, we if we win that game, it it puts it, hopefully will give us some distance between the bottom three, and it'll push us up the table. Now traditionally, when we've had chance to do that, we've fucked it up and we lose. But at some point, we're going to have to take it, and we're going to have to get the win. And I I think we'll win two one on Saturday. I think we'll score a set piece, and I think we'll score a counter attack goal, because I I think that's I think we are going to be restricted largely to counter attacks, but. Don't mind as long as we take one of the chances. It'll be whether we whether we have enough quality to take the chance when it comes. But we we will see, guys. Let's he is hoping for three points anyway. But we've talked a lot there, so I think we'll end it there. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, Gaz. 
Thanks everyone for listening. Here's hoping for three points on Saturday and then we'll catch up with you all after. Stay safe. Bye for now.